Okay. Is from 1 Corinthians 11, starting at verse 17. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it is not the Lord's supper you eat, for as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognising the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment to himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give you further directions. Thanks a lot, Betsy, and uh, yeah, good morning, everyone. And good morning to our folks at home, too. Uh, great to have you all along. Um, my name's Etienne. I get to take us through the next part of this service for the next 20 minutes, I hope, half an hour. But we are going to also uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper uh, in that time. And what I want to do today is I want to... I don't want to talk this up too much as the major sort of a series, but I will introduce us to a new uh, a set of themes or a series that we've are going to look at for the next few weeks, including in, in church camp. And we're calling this thing an exceptional church, according to Jesus. What is it that makes Jesus, the one who made the church, right, the creator of the church, the creator of us, what makes 
him go, him look at us and go, yeah, you know, that's exceptional. This is sort of what I had in mind, right? I can say outright, we're not going to talk about goals and, and, and things we need to do and strategy and those sorts of things. That's not what this series is about. This is a bit before that. We're going to talk about heart stuff. What does Jesus want to see going on in our hearts uh, at a very deep level? Um, stuff that would characterise our congregation, our church here and, and all churches everywhere. It's not just unique to us. So that's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. And to do that for today, I'd like to introduce you to a, a church in the Bible. You've already been introduced to the church. It's a church in a place called Corinth. We're going to dig a little bit in their history about an issue or something that happened to them. We're going to learn a lesson, a bottom line that God really wants us to get, something that he wanted them to get, and then we'll say, okay, this is what it means for us in terms of what Jesus really wants to see, more than what he wants to see, what he wants to do in us, right, as a church. And that'll bring us to, to the Lord's Supper or to the communion over here. Everyone cool with that? We're going to do a little bit of history. We're going to get the bottom line, the lesson, and then we'll go to the table. All right, let's dig in. I'll introduce you to this church of Corinth. Let me get my brother. That's, that's me, by the way, uh, in Corinth. I've been fortunate enough to visit it. I don't know. I can't say to you that that is the spot where this church in Corinth met. But I can say to you that that was... Um, Corinth, it's a real place. It's in modern-day Greek, uh, Greek, Greece, modern-day Greece. And there was a real church who really met there. One of the first churches that we know of uh, in the Bible met in this place called Corinth. Their meetings looked somewhat different to ours. They celebrated the Lord's Supper quite regularly. We do it a lot in symbol, you know, these small pieces of bread and small cups of wine and what it's meant to represent to us is, is something much grander, much larger than what you see in front of you here. You see tiny pieces of bread, you see tiny cups of wine. That's okay, but it's only a symbol. You know, this is meant to represent for us. You need to think, in an ultimate sense, Christmas lunch. You need to think wedding ceremony reception, rather. Feast, right? A real... Solid feast where the food is good, where the food is lavish, where this is an incredibly rich, rich experience of food and fellowship. The Corinthian church did this quite often. When they got together for church, eating and drinking a meal, not always a rich feast, but certainly eating, drinking together was a big deal. Lord's Supper was a meal. It was Sunday lunch, you know, for everyone, for the whole church. That's kind of what it looked like, very regularly, except there was a bit of a problem in the Corinthian church. How it worked for them, digging into the history, is they didn't have a church building like us. A lot of people in the church were poor. They lived in small rooms in the town somewhere. They were actually quite small. Um, and then where they had to meet was with some of the richer folk in church who had big houses more like compounds. And those compounds looked something like what you see on the picture there, you know. It had sort of shop fronts because they're usually business people and then they had this 
area here called an atrium in the middle, this large area in the middle, often with a fountain, and then a triclinium. That was sort of the, you know, the media room or the, the place where you went to space out and, and relax. How the world worked back then was quite different to how the world works in Australia for us. Society was very diversified. High schoolers, you know what high school is like. There's a pecking order, right? There are some people who don't mix with other people. There are firm boundaries. They're, they're, you know, um, you're divided in many ways. You shouldn't be, but you are. Life was like that in the ancient Roman world. Rich people, poor people, never came together. Males, females, slaves, free, women, men, Romans, non-Romans. They didn't mix. In fact, they often hated each other. They, they did each other a lot of harm. They spoke very poorly of each other. And then, and then comes in Jesus into the world and he makes this new thing that he's calling church. And he obliterates all those lines and they all have the same experience of, of the love of God in their lives. And out of that, Jesus' plan is he's saying, I'm going to make this new humanity, a new kind of humanity that actually comes together, that sits together, that is not divided, that does not uh, exercise all these evils upon each other. And he creates the church, except when it comes to Corinth, they didn't quite get that. Here's what happened in the Lord's Supper that they celebrated. A lot of the rich people, it was kind of like, BYO, they bring all their fancy stuff and they go into the triclinium, which had sort of three sets of couches, about nine to 12 people could sit in there. They would get blind drunk. They would help themselves to all the fancy food that they would bring. And others who are less fortunate would stick out here in the atrium or they'd even be outside. They get nothing. Some people even believe there was a famine at the time in Corinth and they go, you know, a lot of these people who went with nothing, you know, that meal on Sunday was a big deal. That was, that's what they lived off, if you were really on the down and out. And then this sort of stuff happens, which, which it came up in the, the words that Betsy read to us. You know, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers in your triclinium, and as a re result, one person remains hungry, maybe even starving. Other people get, get drunk. And Paul says to them, this is not what Jesus had in mind. You've got to get this. This is entirely unexceptional. And you caught that gist in the words that Betsy read. You know, he was pretty upset. Paul, who's sort of their leader, not with them at the time, and goes, not on. You're not getting this. You don't get church at all. You do not get what Jesus was on about when he created this thing called church. And here's what he wants them to do. He says, you lot, Corinthians, you need to do some soul searching. Take a good, long, hard look in the mirror. And he tells them three things to do. I'm only going to share one of them with you and drill down on that. Here's what he says. Those who eat and drink should do so without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. 
I'm going to read that again. And I want you now to go with me to the table here this morning that we're going to come to very soon. Here's what Jesus is saying to you and to me as well. Right? Because we're going to do the same thing. Those who eat and drink without discerning, discerning, Betty's text said, recognizing the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment upon themselves. Not condemnation. He's not saying if you stuff this up, you're going to hell. But he's saying, you know what? God's going to do a number on you to set you straight. If you come to this, it's about discerning, recognizing the body of Christ. What does that mean? Think for me, think with me in your heads. What does discerning the body of Christ look like? What, what do I need to have in my heart? What does Jesus want to see in, in, in my heart, in my mind, in order to say I've accurately discerned and I recognize the body of Christ. Well, here's what I think. This is the bottom line that I want to share today. Jesus wants you and me to get the value of the body at the table because we get the value of the body on the table. Does that make sense? Jesus wants us to, to get, to really get, to, to discern, to, to truly and accurately recognize the body, the church, at the table, what it is. And what Jesus had in mind with it, we've got to get the value of that because we get, we really get the value of the body on the table. We understand how big a deal this is. This is not the real body of Jesus, but it represents it to us, right? Can I ask you a, to do a quick exercise with me? Um, can I get everyone to please just stand up quickly? Just, just straight to your feet. And then can I get you all to just, just with your eyes open, just, just turn around to your left. Do a full 360 for me and just, just look around you. <laughs> Great job. I can see some are quicker with this than others. <laughs> all right. Can I get you to do it again? Just go the other way for me. Just nice and slow. Just, just look around you. All right, thank you. You grab your seats. Thank you very much. Please tell me honestly. Please think in your own mind honestly for me. How important to you are the people who you just saw? I, I get the blessing to look at you all. I, it'll make me 
tear up and emotional because it's because you're a beautiful lot, <laughs> and and sorry for what you have to look at. I, I, you don't. You, it's not mutual, but um, how valuable is it to you that you are a part of the people who you just saw? <laughs> how valuable? Are they to you, and how valuable is it to you that you are a part of them, that, that Jesus thought before the creation of the world that, that you would be included in his church, right? It, 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 I put it to you that it, it should rightly strike us that this is the greatest honour that exists on earth in our lives. And, and I ask myself if I come to the table and have come to the table so many times over the last number of years, I, I read the whole thing about, you know, I've got to examine myself before I come to the Lord's table, before I eat the bread and drink the wine. And I usually think of, you know, I need to go over the last week or the last month and go, what sort of sin have I committed? You know, was it last, or, you know, in the past that I look at pornography and I've got to really make sure that I've straighten all that stuff out with God before I come to the table. You know, examining myself was really a me thing between me and God, and I needed to get that right, okay? Not, not, not be perfect, but at least confess it and say, Jesus, I'm sorry for that, I want to not do that again. That's kind of what examining myself meant for me. I think Corinthians puts a different spin on that for us, friends. It's true, we should still do that. But examining myself is just as much of an, an, an us thing as a me thing. If I come to this table, do, do I get just what an incredibly valuable thing it is? Do you know, like when you have your Christmas lunch, or your birthday lunch, it's not the food that is the most cherished and valuable part of it, although it's a big deal. It's the people around that table that is the big deal, right? It's, it's, it's when some of them are missing, who, who are not there, that we feel the pain. It's when they are there that we feel the most abundant joy when they are gathered at our table. It's the people. The value that they get together, that we are a part of them, that they are a part of us. And it's the same with Jesus. In fact, you know, Jesus says that this is so valuable church, the, the body at the table that God, and we did this when we did Ephesians, God is displaying his manifold wisdom to the rulers and the powers and authorities in the heavenly realms. How? His church, his body at the table. Satan looks at all that and goes, I'm going to divide humanity. I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to cause lies. I'm going to cause anger. I'm going to cause jealousy. I'm going to cause hatred. I'm going to cause discord. I'm going to do all these things that make humanity suck. The broken, painful things. And God looks at Satan and he says, Nah, not with me and not with my people. My people, you look, Satan, are a gathered people. And they love each other. And they value each other. And they treasure each other. 
no matter where they're from, no matter what they look like, no matter their relationship status, no matter their age, here they are. I am victorious. Is that what you think of when you come to the table? I admit it's not for me, but I admit Jesus wants us to get that. He, he wants us to get that this, that's what this table is, is about. Firstly, get the value of the body at the table. It's that important. Secondly, you would say, well, how do I get that? I, I don't value the people or my own inclusion of the people here that much. How do I... How do I do that? How do I get there? Well, it's the second part of the statement. Get the value of the body on the table. This is precious, friends. How valuable were you to God? We sang that. God so loved the world. God considered you valuable to him. <laughs> so much so that this is what we celebrate. This is the body on the table. I spoke to a man this week. I said, do you know, do you believe, do you think God loves you? He said, no. no I don't think God loves me. And, and what does that man need to do? Discern the body on the table. There is no love like this. There is no place on earth where you are as valued as this and you see it flows on. If that penny drops that this is how much I am valued, well, I pay it forward, don't I? If this is how much I was valued, I value you. I value the body. Jesus wants us to get the body, or the value of the body at the table because we get the value of the body on the table. Let me move to a close. What will make a church an exceptional church? What will make our church an exceptional church in the eyes of Jesus? It's not the preaching. It's not the music. It's not the shape of our buildings. It's whether we get the value, the sheer weight in importance of the fact that we belong to Jesus. You, I, together are included in his people. And that is eternal. And that is powerful. And that is enduring. The extent to which we grasp that, discern that, get it, that is the extent to which we are truly an exceptional people. And from there, all else will flow. Let me pray for us briefly, and then we're going to celebrate the supper. Our Father, I pray for all of us here today, from, from those who, who, who don't get you at all to those who do but Lord we can go much much deeper to truly discern 
and get what it means for us to belong to you. For all of us, our Father, will you grant us your power, the power we do not have and we cannot manufacture and we cannot do ourselves, but your gracious power, together as a whole group, to get how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to experience this love that surpasses our own knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of all your fullness. Our Father, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.